Acts chapter 3. Give you just a moment to switch from your songbooks to your Bibles. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. Aren't you grateful for a living Savior? And uh, Philippians chapter 3, and that's uh, what Paul stated in this chapter here. We serve a resurrected Savior. Uh, Philippians 3, verse number 10, Paul says, This is my desire that I may know Him, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after it that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, and we looked at this thought this morning, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Some wonderful advice and information that God gives to us through the scriptures. And what we started this morning is kind of a two-part sermon on keeping the past in the past. And how many people are destroyed by their past. The past keeps them from pressing forward and accomplishing anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are, there are people that um, are not in church here tonight, and it's because of their past. Uh, there are broken relationships, and it's because of the past. There are people that are afraid to come to church or ashamed to be in church. It's because of their past. And there are people that struggle reading their Bibles uh, because it brings conviction. It's because of the past. And many don't know how to deal with the past, and it's very important. I think that's one thing that uh, has taken many away from, and, and you think about Peter in the Bible, and Peter betrayed the Lord. And uh, that past and what Peter had failed in caused him to go out and weep bitterly. Uh, but he found the forgiveness of the Lord. He put that past in the past and was able to move forward. So very important that you know how to do that. And we're going to look a little bit of that tonight, how to put the past in the past. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, thank you. You've been so good to us here tonight and you've met with us and just a joy to sing these songs and uh, thank you that you are alive and living. We serve a risen Savior. Lord, this is what makes it all uh, worthwhile. Uh, this is different than religion. It's different than Buddhism. It's different than Hinduism. It's different than uh, really Christianity that is formal and without a relationship. And, and thank you that we have a relationship with you. And Lord, that our heart could be that of Paul, that I may know him. Lord, that we might press toward the mark, that we might want to be all that you have created us to be, that we might know your good and acceptable and perfect will. And Lord, would you help us tonight? And maybe there's somebody here tonight that uh, there is something that just holds on to them. Maybe every time they step forward to do something for you, uh, there's something of the past that just creeps back into the picture. And Lord, help us tonight as we deal with the past. And uh, Lord, we need you tonight. Look unto you. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated here this evening. And as we uh, pointed out this morning, verse number 13, the statement of Paul, uh, forgetting those things which are behind. And then he says, reaching forth to those things which are before. And as all of you know, if you've been saved any length of time, Satan is the accuser. And every one of you uh, in your past have had things the old devil would bring back up to you. And I can 
can remember times uh, even after being saved. I'd go to bed at night and something uh, would creep up into my mind and I couldn't sleep. You ever have that happen and couldn't sleep? And uh, you get down upon your, your face and confess that before the Lord and here comes the old accuser again. And I've, uh, I've had those battles, you know what I'm talking about. And that past, it just creeps up. And, uh, you know, I, I really believe, uh, uh, you know, Satan uses the past really to compromise our future. And I think one of the problems we have today in government is we've got a lot of politicians that their past has compromised them. And there are some things of their past and they can't take a strong stand in their present because they're afraid that somebody's going to bring out their past. And so they've been compromised in that area. But the old devil does that in the Christian life and keeps many from going forward and doing what they know is right to do. And they fear to do it and in that battle. Now we mentioned this morning, and I've said this many times, Paul could have allowed that past to control him. And uh, Paul had a past. Uh, Paul involved in persecuting and killing Christians. He was present when Stephen was stoned. He was on the road to Damascus to uh, persecute Christians. But uh, Paul, after meeting Christ, refused to let that past uh, control him. He dealt with the past. And then he left the past in the past. Now this morning we brought into the picture Deuteronomy chapter 8. It appears to contradict this passage. Because Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. And yet in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee in in the wilderness these 40 years. And he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18, Thou shalt remember uh, the Lord thy God. He says in verse number 19 of Deuteronomy 8, It shall be if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and to walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish and he says as the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face and so on one hand we are told to forget on the other hand we're told to remember how can that be and what we find is that both are important if we're to keep the past in the past and we're not to be controlled by the past we have a memory and that memory is good Uh, As we saw saw this morning, we cannot change the past. Uh, A lot of people are living in the past because they want to change the past. And uh, you can't change the good things of the past. You can't change the bad things of the past. They become a part of who you are and a part of what you are. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, as we pointed out this morning, the first generation... Uh, They rebelled against the Lord as they came out of Egypt. God brought them to the brink of the promised land. God said, it's time to go in. And they said, we can't, Lord. There are giants in the land and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And so they failed to go into the promised land. The second generation had to bear the consequences. They were 40 years wandering in the wilderness. They couldn't change that past. They couldn't change that experience. So you can't change the past. There are some things that cannot be changed. And no matter how hard you try to change those things, we're, we're living in a, in a world, uh, people don't like who they are. They don't like what God made them to be. They're trying to change that. And rather than accepting and being grateful for what God made them to be, uh, they become bitter at that and try to change that past. You can't change the past. But we can learn from the past. And that's important. I think that's the principle that God is giving through the book of Deuteronomy. And we learn from the past that sin has 
consequences. That first generation uh, had consequences of their sin. The second generation bore some of those consequences. And the choices that we make in life, they determine a lot of things for our future. They determine our future. They determine the future of those about us. And so sin has consequences. And we learned that through uh, the, the wilderness and through the memories of the past. Uh, we learn also God never fails. Isn't that a blessing? He never fails. He's always God. He's always right. He's always good. Uh, the wilderness journeys taught the children of Israel those principles. Though they experienced the consequences of the past, uh, they learned through those consequences that God was still good. And God provided for them manna from heaven and water from the rock. And God protected them. That's mentioned in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8. And so God never fails. And we also see from the past that God works all things together for good. Isn't that good? Only God can do that. He uses the past to teach us. He wants to teach us humility. He wants to teach us faith. He wants to teach us again uh, this principle that he's always good. He's always God and to trust in him. He wants to teach dependence upon him and upon his word. And, and he uses that past to prepare us for his good and perfect will for our lives. He uses the past to prepare us for that good land. So we saw you cannot change the past and you can learn from the past. But to really gain the victory of the past, you cannot allow the past to defeat you. And I believe that's what Paul's thought was here as we look at verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before. I was listening uh, sometime back to an interview with a professional quarterback, uh, one in the NFL. And in a particular game, he made some mistakes, and those mistakes were costly. He threw an interception at an inopportune time, and he fumbled the ball and lost it at a poor time or a bad time of the game, and it cost his team. But in the end, he threw the game-winning touchdown. And so in the interview, he was asked about uh, those mistakes, and here's what he said. He said, you can't change them. He said, they, they happened. I can't go back, and I can't change what I did. And he said, but I learned from them. And he says, you have to learn then to forget them and move on. And he says in the NFL, as a quarterback, you've got to have a short memory uh, because if you are constantly under the bondage of that mistake that you made, you're not going to gain the victory in the future. And so it was a good lesson uh, there. So how do we do that spiritually? How do we deal with the past? And that's the focus that I want to give you tonight. And I want to give you some principles that uh, it's so crucial. I, I'm thoroughly convinced. We, we state that in some cases 60 to 80% of students that grow up in church and graduate from high school, uh, get away from home, they end up leaving church. And I think a lot of it is because they don't know how to deal with the past. Now there are some times they, they get out because they never were saved, never were born again. But there are other times they get out because the past has gained control over them and they've got some guilt and some shame that they've never dealt with and they've never learned how to deal with and that past has destroyed them. So I'm going to give you some thoughts tonight in dealing with the past. How do you forget those things which are behind? You still learn from them. You can't change them. You gain the lessons from them and you learn from the consequences of them. But how do you deal with them in such a way to gain victory? That's so very crucial. Now, the first principle is this. 
you're going to put the past in the past, you've got to deal with sin. Got to deal with sin. You've got to put that sin under the blood of Jesus Christ. How do you do that? Well, salvation, uh, that's the first step. And as you look here at Philippians chapter 3, as Paul's saying, verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind, you look at the first part of the chapter, uh, Paul's dealing with his past, and he grew up a Pharisee of Pharisees. He grew up of the tribe of Benjamin. He grew up in being zealous for the things of uh, the law. And uh, so that was Paul's past. And Paul's past, as we saw in that zealousness, persecuting churches and Christians. But notice in verse 7, Oh, what Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. In such a key verse. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. Now Paul had gone about to establish through the law his own righteousness, but that righteousness falls so short. Our righteousness is for filthy rags before the Lord. And Paul had to come to that point of setting aside his own righteousness and taking upon himself the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, uh, my own righteousness is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And he discovered that righteousness on the road to Damascus. And so as he trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, it changed his life. Now we see this uh, through the word of God, uh, putting the past in the past. Do you remember the thief on the cross? There were two thieves. And in the beginning, as the Lord is hanging between the two thieves upon the cross, they begin to revile the Lord Jesus Christ, to mock the Lord, as did the crowds. And, uh, but something happened, I think, in the heart of one of those thieves. I think as he looked at the Lord Jesus Christ, he saw there's something different about this man in the middle. Uh, there's something that is real about this man. Uh, this man is guilty of nothing. I'm guilty. He began to realize his shame and his guilt. And you know the story is this man, this thief, turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, Lord, remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. And, and really he's turning uh, to the Lord. His past now is put under the blood. You think about this uh, thief. And this thief has, has murdered. This thief has, has stolen. This thief has lived a wicked life. He's hanging for something that he's worthy of dying for. And yet in a moment of time, he turns to the Lord Jesus Christ and that sin is blotted out. That sin is forgiven. And Jesus said to that thief this day, thou shalt be with me in paradise. That past blotted out. That past was forgiven. That past would no longer keep him from entering in to the, or into the kingdom with the Lord Jesus Christ. The past was dealt with. How very important uh, that uh, we come to that place. Now, as Paul's writing uh, here in the book of Philippians, I think Paul remembers the jailer. And Paul had been in jail uh, there in the city of Philippi. And at the midnight hour, as Paul and Silas are singing praises, uh, the Lord delivers uh, Paul and Silas from that prison house. And the jailer comes falling before, uh, before Paul and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And that jailer is told by Paul, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thine household. 
And so here, that jailer, it's evident, puts his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this hard man, his past is dealt with in a moment of time. Uh, he's forgiven. And we know that night that he and his household were baptized. They became a part of that church there in Philippi. And uh, that past is dealt with. It's forgiven. See, sin must be paid for. Uh, sin is costly. The wages of sin is death. Uh, sin must be paid for. God said to Adam, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Sin has consequences. Now, if you pay for your own sin, you will pay for that sin in hell. And you will suffer for all of eternity the everlasting punishment of sin. The good news is that Jesus paid for it. And you can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's already paid for it. And you can bring that sin to the Lord and the Lord on the cross as you know cried it is finished and that sin can be placed under the blood and so you deal with the past first of all uh, coming to the Lord in salvation receiving that free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ but beyond salvation how do you deal with the sin of the past because uh, I don't know about you well I do know about you because I know about me after I got saved I still sinned I still had an old nature. I still failed. I still did things and said things and thought things that I never should have done or said or thought. And there was sin. And sometimes that sin brought great guilt and great shame in my own heart. And how do you deal with that sin beyond salvation? Don't have to go get saved again. Uh, Paul said, I know. We sang it. I know whom I believe in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And, and when I bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in one sense, my past sin was forgiven, my present sin was forgiven, my future sin was forgiven, but I still uh, have sinned since that day. How do you deal with it? Go to uh, the book of 1 John with me. A very familiar passage of Scripture, 1 John. If you look with me, 1 John chapter 1. And uh, we look at verse number 7, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. And it reads, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. But He says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, and this is so important to be a good confessor. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. His word is not in us, my little children. He said, These things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. That's a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we learn here that as we sin as Christians, we're to bring that sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to confess that sin. And we have mentioned that Satan is a bully. And as a bully, he's an accuser. And he's out to defeat you. The, the, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that was the purpose of Satan. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And uh, here Satan must be dealt with. And the way you deal with Satan is to come to Jesus Christ, to flee to the Lord and to bring that sin before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me give you a couple of Old Testament examples of, of this and the importance of this and how to deal with this. Go to Psalm uh, 32. And in Psalm 32 you have the life of, of King David. 
And one of the things that I believe made David a man after God's own heart is not that David was perfect, but David knew how to confess sin. He knew how to get his sin under the blood. In Psalm 32, here's David giving his testimony. In verse 1, he said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. But notice what David said, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into the drought, the drought of summer, Selah. I believe David's describing that time in his life when he tried to conceal his sin, he tried to hide his sin, he tried to cover his own sin, and during that time David is describing that that was a horrible time spiritually for him. But notice in verse 5, he said, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Where did that happen? Go to Psalm 51. And here is David, Psalm 51. He's been confronted by Nathan the prophet. And Nathan says, David, thou art the man. And David, you're guilty. Uh, you have been guilty. You're worthy of death. You're worthy of judgment. David, knowing his shame and his guilt, fell upon his face before the Lord, and he cried out, Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Uh, he says in verse number 8, Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Uh, he says in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And David, because of the concealing of his sin, trying to hide his sin uh, in his heart, lost the joy of salvation and uh, lost the blessing of the Lord and the power of God and the sense of God's presence in his life. But he came before the Lord and he confessed that sin. It felt very important uh, to be a good confessor. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it puts it very simply like this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so that is so very important that we bring that sin into the open and confess that before the Lord. Go to Proverbs chapter 28. Uh, one more thought in this. Proverbs 28 and verse number 13. Uh, we read, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So how do you deal with sin? Well, first of all, through salvation, but beyond salvation, uh, through confession and bringing that sin out into the open. I had a, a friend in college, and I think back to, to uh, what happened in his own life. And uh, he had just uh, been saved a few months before college. Don't know exactly how long he was zealous and on fire for the Lord, but some old friends came around and led him back into some old paths. And uh, that shame and that guilt uh, almost destroyed him. He didn't know how to come as David and to bring that into the open and to confess that before the Lord. And that old accuser beat him up uh, so terribly, horribly bad. And I've seen that happen. You need to know how to deal with sin. You come in confession. Uh, go to the book of Revelation. I want to give you another thought in dealing with that sin. 
Uh, we have to deal with it through salvation. We deal with it through confession. Uh, but beyond confession, go to Revelation chapter 2. It's important to deal with that sin through repentance. You see, not only do we confess our sin, but we're to turn from that sin. And that's the challenge that the Lord gives to these seven churches of Asia. In Revelation 2, to the church at Ephesus, he says in verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. And here the Lord is pointing to them their sin. And he says now to this church, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. But notice what the Lord says, and repent. Uh, turn back to me. Uh, he's challenged them. He's, he's rebuked them. And now he says, repent, do the first works, else I will come to thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. And I, I understand context. He's talking to a church, but there's an application to individuals. As the Lord brings to light our sin, it's to be confessed, but then it's to be turned from. And uh, then turn to Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 14. In Revelation chapter 3, he's writing here to the church of Laodicea. He says to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, Write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful, true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And he says in verse number 19, As many as I love, rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. He's pointed out their sin. He's pointed out their lukewarmness. And now he says you need to take that into light and turn from that lukewarmness. Turn back to me in full love of the heart and serve me with all of your heart. So we have to deal with sin. If we're to put the past in the past, you've got to deal with sin. You have to deal with it through salvation. You've never been born again. You've got to be saved. And then you daily confessions like weed in the garden. Uh, I, I find that if you don't weed the garden on a daily basis, the old weeds, they sneak up and they soon grow faster than the plants. And uh, they, uh, rains come and the weeds grow. You've got to deal with the weeds. So it is in your Christian life. You, you need a daily confession, just a daily searching of the heart. Uh, like David, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So very important that you walk tenderly to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and sensitive to the Spirit of God, sensitive to the Word of God. That's why you need to be in the Word of God uh, day by day. So the Word of God, now you are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you. And the Word of God has that cleansing effect because it points out the sin of your life. Now here's what happens. A lot of people as sin comes into their life, they read the Word of God. There's conviction and they don't want to deal with the conviction so they get out of the Word of God. Or uh, when they come to church, there's conviction because somehow that preacher uh, must have dreamed what they were doing all week and he preached right to them. And so it's not comfortable uh, to come to church, but we need that conviction from the Word of God. We need that conviction by the Spirit of God. We need that conviction uh, that comes through the preaching of the Word of God. And we need to deal with the sin to maintain a pure and a clean heart. We have to deal with sin. Now this is very important if we are to keep the past in the past. We have to deal with past hurts. Go to the book of Luke chapter 17 for just a moment. Luke chapter 17. You have to deal with past sin, but you've got to deal with past hurts. We live in a sinful world, don't we? Well, it's a wicked world. And you're not going to escape this world without getting hurt. 
Somebody is going to hurt you. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to do something. Somebody's going to hurt you somewhere along the line. You're not going to get out of this world without it. Luke 17, then saith he to his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Why? We live in a sinful world, but woe to him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. He's talking about these children. But notice this, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespassed against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And it's interesting, the apostles said unto him, unto the Lord, increase our faith. And, and it's interesting, the context, he's saying, uh, you're going to be offended, offenses are going to come, it's impossible in this sinful world, but you've got to gain forgiveness. And said, Lord, increase our faith. That's hard to do. You ever find it's hard to forgive? It's hard sometimes to put the past in the past when you have been hurt. Maybe you're like me. You ever have somebody offend you at some point and you want to hold on to it? You want to feel sorry for yourself. You ever like that? You, you want to have an excuse to, uh, to, to feel bad. To, you want to have an excuse to have a bad day. Any of you ever do that? Am I alone? Okay. You, you want to have an excuse just to have a bad day somewhere along the line. Uh, wake up on the wrong side of the bed. But you got to deal with the past. Those past hurts. If you fail to forgive, listen to me, you're going to be controlled. You're going to be controlled by that past if you fail to forgive. And you'll see this principle throughout the Word of God. Go back to the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 6 verse number 12. Matthew 6, verse number 12, in the model prayer, uh, we are to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Go to Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter number 18. Matthew chapter 18, Peter, he's the one asking the question here. Peter, verse 21, uh, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Surely that's enough. But the Lord said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. And what the Lord is saying is, as often as my brother sins against me, I must forgive by God's grace. And the Lord gives a parable, and in this parable he tells about a man forgiven a great debt, but this man forgiven a great debt, unwilling to forgive a fellow servant who had just a small debt against him. But I want you to skip to verse 33, Matthew 18. And here the Lord is, is expressing the importance of forgiveness. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Notice this statement, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Let me tell you, Satan is a hard taskmaster. And if you live in bitterness and unforgiveness, that old devil will defeat you. That old devil will fill your heart with envy, with grudges, with bitterness. He's a hard taskmaster. And uh, you'll notice the Bible says, If we from our heart forgive not everyone 
his trespasses, then the tormentors uh, would come until all of that debt would be paid. Uh, he's given a strong warning. Uh, the Lord tells us, as we have been forgiven by Christ, how many of you deserved Christ's forgiveness? Not a single one of you. In fact, I would guarantee you that um, you have done more against Jesus than anybody has ever done against you. And I would tell you the debt that you have been forgiven, there's nobody that will ever wrong you to the debt that you have wronged the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet when you came to the Lord, He said that He would put your sin to the depths of the sea. And that becomes the basis through which we offer forgiveness to others. It's the forgiveness which we have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. See, if we fail to forgive, again, we'll be controlled. So many are living lives of bitterness, uh, lives of unforgiveness. And that bitterness is destroying marriages. There are many that brought into marriage their past. And they're holding on to a past that uh, they have yet to forgive. They have yet to put under the blood. And they bring that into their marriage and it destroys their marriage. And the Bible says that a root of bitterness will spring up and thereby many will be defiled. And that bitterness brought into a marriage, that bitterness brought into a home uh, will defile others around. And that bitterness then will destroy the children of the home. If you don't deal with the past, if you don't forgive, that past will control that home. Uh, churches are being split and destroyed because of unforgiveness and grudges and bitterness. And relationships are broken uh, because the past is not dealt with. Unforgiveness is going to hold you in bondage. Unforgiveness is going to defeat you. And Paul, if you think about this, had been wronged by many. In his life, he said, Demas had forsaken me, having loved this present world. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. And uh, he had been wronged by many, many people. At my first answer, he says, no man stood with me. And Paul, had he lived in the past and the failures of others in his life, would have been defeated. But as Christ forgave us, we've got to extend that to others. So we have to deal with past uh, failure or past sin of others past wrongs. Let me give you a third thought here. If you're going to deal with your past, put the past in the past. You have to deal with past failure. Now, not only have all of us been wronged by somebody, we know that, and so we've got to forgive, but all of us have also failed others. We don't recognize that sometimes. It's easy for us to see what somebody did to us, but hard for us to see what we did to somebody else. And so if you look in Matthew chapter 5, uh, just quickly with me, Matthew 5, verse number 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave therefore thy gift at the altar, go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And so he's telling us if we recognize that we have wronged another, we need to be humble about that and be willing to make it right. You study the history of revivals, you will find that many revivals have resulted from individuals simply getting right with their past. Uh, I read of a pastor that had a falling out with an associate pastor, a former associate pastor, and that associate pastor had moved miles away, and, and uh, the pastor was bitter at that associate, not spoken to him for years, and God began to convict that pastor, and he realized he needed to make things right. He traveled many, many miles, and he um, 
he went to that former associate and he confessed his bitterness and confessed his sin and confessed how he had failed. And it was such a blessing how God restored that. But it began revival in that pastor's heart. And that pastor had realized he had been controlled by that past some things that he had never made right. So a former pastor of mine had failed and uh, done some horrible things and God convicted him. And he did his very best to make things with, right with all he could. He traveled all the way here uh, just to visit with me. And uh, it was really precious and I had forgiven and it was nothing in, in my heart. But I really felt for him because I knew what it had done for him. But it was so neat to see as he just took those steps and how God began to restore him. Now it seems that many... Uh, have been controlled by that past and they've wronged others. There are people that they're embarrassed to come back to church uh, because they failed and they're embarrassed. They don't want to come back. And why? They're afraid that others are going to look down upon them. Others are going to judge them. Others are going to put them down and, and they haven't dealt with that past. They haven't seen to make it right. And uh, it's evident in time, I don't, I don't have time. You can write down uh, to this. I think Paul tried to reconcile his past. And Paul had miserably failed. You saw he, he was there when Stephen was, was uh, martyred. He was there uh, when Christians were persecuted. You can write down Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. I think Paul is trying to reconcile his past. You can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. And here Paul is involved in taking up an offering and getting it back to the churches of Judea. And in particular, back to Jerusalem where Paul had reaped so much havoc. So we have to deal with those past failures. You know, sometimes I've seen this happen uh, when people have failed. Uh, they never deal with that past. Uh, they never put that past behind them. That past controls them, and, and it keeps them from moving forward. You've got to deal with that past, put it under the blood, and get things right with others as far as you possibly can. Let me give you one more thought very quickly. And this is so important. You wouldn't think about this, but it's important. If we're going to deal with the past. We've got to deal with past sin. We've got to deal with, uh, with uh, past uh, uh, hurts. And we have to deal with past failures. But this is important. Got to deal with past victory. Past victory. You know, if you're not careful, the victories of the past can bring pride. And God always has to deal with pride. Uh, the blessings of the past can keep you from depending upon the Lord. There are a couple of scriptures that teach this. In Matthew chapter 17, uh, you'll, uh, let's go there. Matthew chapter 17, I'll just quickly give you this scripture and then one other scripture. Uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse number 19. And the occasion is this father brings to the disciples a, uh, a son that uh, he describes as a lunatic. He's vexed and oftentimes falleth into the fire. And the disciples could not heal that, uh, that boy and uh, the Lord heals him. He rebuked the devil. But notice in verse number 19, a statement, Matthew 17. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? See, they had done this. If you were to go back in Matthew chapter 10, the Lord gave them power over devils. And now, why couldn't we cast this, this, uh, uh, this devil out? Why couldn't we help this boy? And, and uh, Jesus says to them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed. And I believe what had happened because of those past victories and those past 
opportunities and times where the Lord had used them, uh, they became self-dependent and uh, they're no longer trusting on the Lord. And so the Lord says in verse 21, Howbeit this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. This is not something that you can do on your own. This is something that's going to take the power of God in order to accomplish it. And I think so often, if we're not careful in the Christian life, we, we, it's old habit. We've done this before. I taught this class before. I know how to do it, and I can do that. And we no longer depend upon the Lord. We no longer walk in dependence upon God. We no longer walk by faith, but we're walking in our own strength and our own ability, and we fall flat on our face because we're not looking to the Lord to accomplish the work. And so very important. Let me give you one more illustration of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Again in the life of Paul the Apostle. And in 2 Corinthians you're familiar with this passage. But look in the context here of it. In verse number 7. Here Paul states in 2 Corinthians 12. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Notice this, lest I should be exalted above measure. Lest those past victories, those past visions, those past workings of God in my life should exalt me, the Lord allowed me to have the thorn in the flesh. Why? So that I would be dependent upon Him. And he says, for this thing, in verse 8, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, most gladly, therefore, but rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. See, it's dangerous when we become content. And that's why Paul says in Philippians, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not content with where I am, spiritually speaking. There's so much more that I want to do and accomplish for Jesus. But to do that, I've got to put the past, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward to those things which are ahead. I can't live in the past failures. I can't live in past bitterness. I can't live in, in past victories and those past churches and souls that have been saved. I can't live in that. I'm not content with where I'm at. I'm not content with the visions and the things that God has done through me. There's so much more that I want to do and accomplish for Jesus Christ. So I've got to put that past behind and I've got to humbly depend upon Jesus Christ. See, when we become self-confident, when we become proud, that pride defeats us. And God has to humble the proud and He exalts the humble. We have to put the past behind to press forward. How do you keep the past in the past? You deal with past sin. Put it under the blood. Past hurts. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Past failures, leave your gift at the altar. Go your way. Be reconciled to your brother and deal with past victories. Come humbly in dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ for every step that you accomplish. Putting the past in the past will help you to press forward for the future. Let's bow our heads.